It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison, and this week I'm here once again with our one of our staff writers, Bo Emerson. How's it well, going, Shane? Uh, it's great, and you're here to talk once again about the Beltline, which we did a few months back. That's right. But this time, it's a little bit different. Well, we went to the other side of the Beltline, <laughs> to the west side, and uh, it is uh a lot less crowded. Uh, it's hilly. It's like it's in the middle of a forest. Uh, and uh, we met uh, a bunch of interesting people. But I can tell you this, if you're looking for a relief from the crowds on the east side Beltline, go to the west side. Right. Yeah. And there, it's not quite as built up yet. I mean, there, there will come a time probably when... Well, have. I was I was surprised uh, at how much is there, even though uh, it doesn't it doesn't have the crowds yet. But there is this Lee and White sort of complex, mm-hmm. which uh, has uh, Monday Night Brewing's sort of ancillary facility, which is called right. Monday Night Garage, just right. to, just to distinguish it. And then there's the uh, ASW Distillery, and uh, there's there's a lot of other things happening over there. Right, so. right. So there's plenty to do, but just not the big crowds that you'll get on. East Side Belt Line. It's really, it's really beautiful, though. One of the things you see as you drive up there is uh, one of those welcome to the West End uh, uh, murals, and mm-hmm. we we chatted with uh, one of the muralists there, Ben Janik, and uh, he was painting a kind of an underwater scene on the sidewalk uh, on the way up to uh, the Lee and White area, right. and uh, that's just sort of a, a one of the elements there that you'll see as you move in there. Oh, my name's Ben Janik, and uh, right now I'm just putting on a first coat for this giant water mural we're doing here in the walkway, right by Hop City. What will this mural include? It's going to include all sorts of water and aquatic life. Uh, It's kind of reflecting this drainage area here. We kind of wanted to make something work with the environment. Instead of a drain, you're going to dress it up a little bit. Exactly. Make it a little fancy. What's this going to look like once you're done? Very bright and bold with uh, a whole bunch of sea creatures. So any kids are walking through, they can explore and see if they can find them all. Some will be hidden. That includes? Oh, sea turtles, koi, starfish, 
Uh, all sorts of aquarium fish. Probably gonna do some octopus even. Never know. Did you bring some uh, um, botany, or I'm sorry, marine uh, biology books with you? To... Oh, I've been doing my research, gathering some uh, images of local Georgia aquatic life, things you'd find in the ocean and fresh water. Just figured I'd incorporate those into it. I love, well, I love the belt line, but that, like I said, you know, one of the things is, you know, all the people that are, are it's it's a little too much sometimes. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it, it would be nice to get to a place where, you know, you sort of have free reign to walk. And, and I mean, you know, it's it sounds almost more like a, a trail that you would find in, you know, parks and, you know. Except a, that it's super smooth and, and right. you know, paved and such. Right. And, yeah. uh, uh Eventually, the south uh, portion of this whole thing is going to open up, and it will link the east side and the west side, and then right. you can have a bike ride all the way um, right. around the the bottom half of the perimeter, and uh, right. that that will be a very pleasant experience. Yeah, yeah. I was I, I know that some some folks were doing those bike rides, even even though it's not complete. That right. there there are like some gravel portions that uh, to link it up and and that sort of thing. It's not exactly finished, but it's doable. Yeah, you don't want to use your uh, street bike uh, yeah. on that part. You just take your knobby tires right. and you'll be good. Yeah. Really. Yeah, that's cool. So um, so you talk to some folks over there. Um, about what's going on, about what's going to be happening there, right? Yeah, now there's going to thing that's going to happen in July, July 13th, is they have this uh, 5K, 8K, 13K uh, uh, race. Right. Uh, and uh, so you can do the, the smaller portion or the bigger portion, or you can add them together and do the, the really big portion. <laughs> right. And uh, that that's sort of why we wanted to talk about it now, because a bunch of people will come out uh, for that experience. And uh, I think it's uh, sponsored by the uh, by the brewery there, and so once you finish uh, the race, they they hand you a beer, which is great at nine in the morning. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it's going to be a weekend. Why not? <laughs> well, <laughs> and uh, I, I got to say the the. Uh, uh, the lifestyle out there is very cool. The um, we went to a place called Aluma Farms, which is just four acres carved out of the middle of what used to be a bunch of warehouses. I think there was some kind of a steel facility or something mm-hmm. like that there. Maybe it was coal, and uh, they they spent some years kind of re enriching the soil right. and, and nourishing it and growing cover crops. And now they've got um, they got acres of of things like. Uh, 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 not corn, but other vegetables. They've got garlic, they've got alfalfa, they've got carrots, and they have a farm stand there, which is right on the Beltline. You can hmm. run by and get yourself some vegetables on Thursdays. Right. And uh, uh, th- those folks were super nice. What do we have right here? These are some carrots. I was just pulling up different carrots to see what's going to be ready for the week. And how much room do you have here? So the entire property is about 3.4 acres. Um, we are growing on about an acre and a quarter acre and a third. Talk, talk about what impact your presence here has on sort of the life of the Beltline. Um, I, it's, that's a good question. We do, we get a lot of people who are either walking, not so much, I guess, this time of year on the Beltline who stop and talk just because we have all this uh, gr- plants growing here so they can't quite see, but especially also people walking to the Beltline along the street here. People love to stop and ask what's going on, you know. I always measure, uh, one one measure of my personal feeling of our growth and success is that in 
the first year we'd be out here and people would stop and say, what are y'all doing out here? And and now when they stop, they go, oh, is this a farm? So we we are clearly a farm now <laughs> instead of two people on a vast expanse of land. Um, and it's it's a really great way. It's a great conversation starter. People love, a lot of people do have a connection to farming in some way. We get a lot, especially a lot of the older residents of this community, um, they'll stop and you know, oh, is this a farm? We'll be like, yes, it's a vegetable farm. And then they'll talk about how, you know, like their their grandpa or their mom, like had a farm growing up or they went out in the summers to their family farm and, you know, picked okra and all that kind of stuff. And so that connection to agriculture is, is still here, you know, it's still present. And so it's nice that we are, you know, bringing that back into in a tangible way. And you're also uh, providing food in, a, in an area where it's harder to find fresh food. Yeah, this area has been a food desert for a really long time. Um, and a food desert is well. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk not, something it's, back. It's not, it's it's not like like necessarily specifically a food desert, but well, so so with the technical definition, the a food desert is a USDA term. The technical definition is it's a measurement of the. Um, incomes of a neighborhood and their distance to a grocery store as like very strictly defined by like you know what varieties and amounts of food they're going to sell so a corner store does not count as a grocery store a new term that's also coming into play is food apartheid instead of a desert really drawing attention to the fact that a desert is a natural phenomenon and that the way that we've structured our neighborhoods and decided what sort of development is going to come where is a man-made phenomenon and oftentimes intentionally that and so way. what you did here is you went against that grain of the man-made uh phenomena yeah well sort of like well we we are making a farm so we're sort of taking our agency and our you know desire to help the community and that we that we're in and provide fresh food instead of deny fresh food. for example at the at the farm stand so at the farm stand so every the, thursday yeah so every thursday from four to eight um we set up our farm stand which you guys might have did you pass by it yes yes so that's uh that's actually a new structure that we got funding for through the Beltline Partnership um, last year. It was a grant collaboration between us and the Georgia Food Oasis received a grant from the Beltline Partnership and that was part of what that paid for was that permanent structure for the farm stand. And so we open up every Thursday from four to eight. Uh, The season is from mid-April through Thanksgiving. People can walk up from their houses, can stop by on their way home from work, can bike up on the trail um, while they're walking their dogs and grab their fresh produce for their week's groceries. That's cool. Well, it's nice seeing the, the land sort of reclaimed because, I, I mean, this being on the Beltline, the Beltline was like a lot of it was railroad tracks and oh, things yeah. like that so of course the areas around it are naturally going to have been industrial at some point oh and it's industrial as hell and yeah. there's all these warehouses <laughs> and and such and they're being repurposed you've also got the bakery down there well yeah. so it's right right almost within sight of that um uh and uh, uh other uh, uh other things where they're taking old uh old warehouses and turning them into something new apparently one of the one of the warehouse uh, uh, areas that hadn't been opened up yet that was very popular with uh, movie makers and they rent it out to them and, uh, uh, on a regular basis. Right. Cool. Well, that's it's great. I, I love that, that we have the Beltline and that there are new areas of it to explore even um, and probably will be for a while. So I imagine we'll probably revisit it at some point when uh, even more of it opens up. Well, there's more to come and, and I love the fact that it's going to siphon off some of the 
folks on the on the east side right. and uh, and I I envision I mean you know how you can you can't swing a cat without hitting a bar or something like yeah. that <laughs> on the east side yep. it, I I think it's gonna I think that's gonna happen there but it's it's a very different terrain it's up and down there's houses uh, uh, not that far from it right. it's residential um, there's there's a lot of trees there's a very cool um, uh, sort of side trail that Trees Atlanta was working on while I was out there and they have a, a kind of a uh, a tour of some of the old grand trees of the oh, of cool. the area. So the the big ones that have won the prizes, they've yeah. they've made a point of saying, "Here they are. Come right. come and visit them." So I am here with John Becker and Alice Weston of the Beltline, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the West Side. And while we were out there, we saw a, a, a couple of different groups on bikes and. Um, but uh, one thing that I did note was, and when I say we, uh, we took a little walk on the west side belt line from uh, Lee and White down to Aluma Farms and uh, back up again. Um, and uh, I noted, though, that if you compare that to the east side, you've got a lot more room out there. You're pretty much on your own some of the time. Yeah, John's an avid biker, so he can um, attest to that. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazingly uncluttered experience on Saturdays and Sundays when the East Side Trail gets very, very crowded. Um, we, we like that it's crowded, we like that it's popular, but it's great to have a place you can go and bike or walk and have the trail largely to yourself. It's a, it's a great place and there's some wonderful places opening up over there now. The, uh, the business community is engaging at several great places at Lee and White, uh, Lean Draft House is open near Gordon White Park, so you're getting more and more options of places to stop and, and uh, enjoy your visit. But it's a very different environment, and describe, describe that difference. Um, I think a big factor of that is um, the design is slightly different. It's not the f same flat east side trail. There's, they intentionally put in some curves and um, so there's some slight hills. Because it's a hilly um, area, yeah, yes. it's not a flat it, area. It's almost two trails. The southern end of it is relatively flat and goes through uh, areas where there were abandoned commercial properties. They're now being repurposed and uh, developed back into useful properties such as Lee and White. But if you get up on the northern end of the trail, up near Washington Park and south from there, there's lots of contour. You have hills, you have curves, um, and it, with the Arboretum that Trees Atlanta has installed there, uh, we opened that trail in October of 2017, I think, but you'd think it was there, had been there for 10 years. Mature trees, native grasses and wildflowers, all being actively maintained by Trees Atlanta, and it, it just provides for a wonderful experience. And it's also just a much more open uh, area. And there, there's residential area that's, like you say, uh, mature trees. It's uh, instead of feeling like you're inside a city, you much more feel like you're inside a forest. Yeah, yeah. That's, especially, that's especially true on the north side where you have single family homes backed up relatively closely to the trail. You don't see that so much here on the east side trail where you have mostly commercial properties and condos and apartments. Uh, so you, it is a distinctly different feel and it just, it passes through some wonderful historic neighborhoods and, and folks really are uh, it's taking a little bit longer than it did on the east side trail because the east side trail was an active sort of out community from the start but the west side folks are, are, are i think getting the message and they're coming out in increasing numbers as the days go on how long do you think it's going to be before it's going to look a lot more like uh crog street in that area um, I don't know. I think that's an interesting question because there's there's different a different experience and the neighborhood might want something different out of it. 
Um, so I think there there's a big city scene on the East Side Trail, and I think there's a bit more of a neighborhood feel um, to the West Side Trail. So um, I think there's locations along the West Side Trail that will look more like the active East Side Trail, like the Lee and White development. And talk about Lee and White, what that is. Obviously, you're talking about yeah. two streets, Lee and White, yes. that cross each other. So um, it is a um, old industrial space that has been renovated to have um, hu- huge warehouse space that has Monday Night Garage. It has ASW Distillery. It has Pop City and a uh, wonderful brew pub called After uh, no, uh, Boxcar. Boxcar. It sits on top of Pop City, a very popular gastro pub. So I think other businesses, Wild Heaven is getting ready to yeah. open up over there. I've heard it referred to as Malt Disney on the <laughs> west side. So yeah, so it's um, that's a really great place for people to come and ca- congregate and uh, start their bike rides and journeys on the West Side Trail. And there's plenty of places to park. Absolutely, yes. There's tons of parking, which is fantastic. Um, And that's why we use it for our West Side Trail, because it's a huge space that we can have all of those runners um, get ready to to start running. Um, So I think that's uh, a fantastic element. But then I really like the neighborhood feel of the West Side Trail and that that kind of, the quiet is kind of nice. Um, So I think those elements are, are part of the reason why the West Side Trail is... Can you give us a quick thumbnail about the sections of the uh, West Side and when they were added and what's coming up right next? Well, the first trail that opened up on the West Side was the West End Trail back in, I think, 2008, 2009, something like that. That was originally a Path Foundation trail built as the first trail of the Atlanta Beltline. It doesn't run in the rail corridor per se, but it was our first opportunity to get out there and say, here's a section of the Atlanta Beltline. Um, I don't can't remember the day year exactly, but they began construction of the West Side Trail that's, that runs in the rail corridor, I think in 2014 perhaps, uh, and completed it in 2017. And it does, it leverages the, the rail corridor, it looks very much uh, like the East Side Trail in, in many ways. Um, and that opened up in October of 2017. The next thing that's you're going to see happen, and this is a real game changer, is opening of the South Side Trail, which will connect the southernmost point of the West Side Trail with the southernmost point of the East Side Trail. That's a four and a quarter mile stretch of trail that, in my opinion, is some of the most beautiful trail that the Atlanta Beltline has to offer. It runs largely up on a ridge, and you get some amazing views of downtown Atlanta and other developments along the way. D.H. Stanton Park is, is there, and it's absolutely beautiful. And uh, Atlanta Beltline Inc. is on track to open that as interim trail, what we call interim trail. It won't be paved initially uh, or lit with secure or have security cameras, but that will and that will come later. But we should have that open as interim trail, which is basically packed dirt and, and gravel, very similar to what you see running alongside Piedmont Park as, right. as the trail goes north from Monroe and that should be open by early fall. So you will literally be able to get on your bike or your feet if you're so inclined and walk all the way from Piedmont Park all the way around to Washington Park, 14 miles uninterrupted. You'll be getting on and off paved trail, but that's not gonna bother a lot of people who wanna have that kind of longer experience. And it should also go a long way, I think, to alleviating some of the congestion here on the East Side Trail because now you're kind of capped at both ends, but when that South Side Trail opens up, I think you're going to see a lot more movement of people along the entire stretch of trail. 
and uh, people on on bikes with nubby tires won't have a problem on the on the gravel. I would say you want a hybrid bike or better. So right. it doesn't have to be a high, I happen to have a bike with four inch tires and I can go through there like a warm knife through butter. <laughs> but a hybrid bike, which I also have, does just as well. And I would say um, if people are familiar with the trail by Piedmont Park along Piedmont Park, it'll look very similar to that. Very packed dirt and um, kind of loose gravel. Um, so people should be able to, and I think a lot of people ride road bikes and stuff back there because it is pretty packed. All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, bringing us the, the story of the West Side Beltline. Hey, thank you for having me. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. Atlanta has a starring role in Alfred Urey's Driving Miss Daisy, the play that became an Oscar-winning film starring Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy back in 1989. The Georgia Ensemble Theater presents an encore run of their hit spring production, this time at the Conant Performing Arts Center in partnership with Oglethorpe University. Ellen McQueen, taking over the title role from Jill Jane Clements, and Rob Cleveland star in the Pulitzer Prize-winning drama, which runs from June 28th through July 21st. The Conant Performing Arts Center is located on the campus of Oglethorpe University, and tickets for the show are $35. You'll find them at get.org. Serenby Playhouse brings back its production of the 60s musical Hair to mark the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. It's a decidedly adult show with adult language, sexual innuendo, drug use, and nudity. It's also packed with memorable songs, including Aquarius and Let the Sunshine In. The company's earlier production in 2013 inspired our reviewer to call it a one-of-a-kind theatrical experience that will blow your mind. The outdoor setting in a wildflower meadow provides the perfect backdrop for the band of hippies at the center of the story. Serenby Playhouse's production of Hair opens July 3rd and runs through August 18th in the Serenby community in Chattahoochee Hills. Tickets are $35 to $65 and are available at serenbyplayhouse.com. Hey kids, remember the 80s? New kids on the block and their tour mates know you do, and they hope you're feeling nostalgic. NKOTB were the teen heartthrobs of their era, along with fellow Bostonians' new edition, and enjoyed a string of top 10 hits from 1988 through 1990. The hits got a little smaller after that, and the boys called it quits in 1994. Since returning in 2007, they've become a huge concert draw. This time around, they're bringing along some of their contemporaries, including salt and Peppa, Debbie Gibson, Tiffany, and Naughty by Nature. It's a night that will transport you back to the final years of the 80s. Relive your electric youth at State Farm Arena with new kids on the block and friends on July 11th. Tickets are $29.95 to $249.95 and are available through Ticketmaster. Find out more about the show at statefarmarena.com. North Carolina's Luke Combs has only released one album so far, but he's already one of country's biggest stars. His first five singles all hit number one on the country airplay chart. His latest, Beer Never Broke My Heart, is currently in the top 10 and comes from a new five-song EP called The Prequel. Combs comes to Ameris Bank Amphitheater in Alpharetta on July 12th. The show starts at 7 p.m. and tickets are $36 to $76 and they're available at LiveNation.com. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. Thank you.